All right, and good morning, Richpoint Church. Thank you for helping us out earlier with uh, the project to be able to help out teachers at Armandale High School. This week is Teacher Appreciation Week, and we're getting a chance to kind of help out teachers that go here to Richpoint Church, but also over in Armandale High School. It's kind of the school we've targeted, kind of be our area you want to reach out to. And I had a chance last night, we were there for a play. Uh, they had a big high school musical thing going on at high school. And just be able to see some of the teachers. I know Mr. Hill made a point to come over and talk to us and just say how much he appreciates what Richpoint Church does for, uh, for, the, for the school. And they're looking forward to all this stuff. We have a number of things planned throughout the week. And the first thing is actually going to happen tomorrow morning. That's what you're helping out with is filling out those thank you cards. We're going to give them a little bit of a gift with that and give it to all the teachers. We're going to be there again two more times this week. Just being able to let the teachers know how much we appreciate them because teachers a lot of times in our society are kind of underappreciated. Uh, they're there every day and they got a big monumental task. It's getting tougher for them. So it's just our way of, of saying to the teachers, thank you for, for what they're doing. Uh, so we're in week two of this series we're calling 49 Days. And I got a quick question as we begin. How many of you have ever been in love before? You can go ahead and raise your hand if you've been. I know, uh, wives, if your husband isn't raising his hand right now, you can go ahead and just kind of elbow him in the ribs. That would not be a good thing right here. But, but, and I'm not talking about, we could get in this whole sermon of what love is. And I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about we know what it looks like. And we have that, that feeling inside of us where we just want to be with that person like all the time. We just, we just want to soak up all, all the, the time and, and the memories and all the stuff that's happening. And maybe for some of us, it was a long time ago, we we're in that dating relationship. Hopefully it's still there now in our marriage, but maybe some of us have to think back a little bit to what it was like when we were dating. And we want to be with that person all the time and we want to just know everything about them. Well, this series is based on the idea that as we instill these disciplines, we're talking about spiritual disciplines, as we instill spiritual disciplines into our life, they should push us towards a greater love. Our goal is two things. Jesus, when he is here on earth, said, the greatest command is this, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So we're talking about this idea of spiritual disciplines, things like reading your Bible and praying and going to church and, and all these different things that we know should be a part of our life, but a lot of times we miss that there's an end product that we're looking for. We, a lot of times we get stuck in a routine. There's a big difference between having discipline in our life and getting stuck in a routine. I know for, for myself, when I was starting to grow up in church and starting to struggle with this, it's where I, I approached reading the Bible as it's just kind of a routine I got into. It, it was kind of a habit, not necessarily a, a good habit the way I was doing it, but it just kind of became routine in my life because it wasn't driving towards a purpose. The disciplines in our life should be driving us towards a purpose to do two things. Number one, we want to love God more deeply and number two, we want to love people more richly. Our society, we're losing those things. It's become kind of commonplace and it's become just a routine. Even as we go to church, a lot of times we hear, hey, here are some good things we should be doing. But we get stuck in a routine and there's, there's really no love. It's not driving us towards the love for God. It's not driving us towards the love for people. It just becomes a routine. We're talking about disciplines today, not routine. We want to make sure we get that. We're going to be opening up our Bible a little bit later to a book. I'll give you some time to find it. It's a book called Ezra. But we're picking up in this challenge. It's a 49-day challenge, and if, if not, the words will appear up on the screen. But we'll be turning to that later. But there, there's a 49-day challenge. And last week we had some people sign up for the challenge. And we just said over the next seven weeks, eight Sundays, we're going to talk about seven different disciplines. Last week we laid a foundation and challenged everyone. If you want to join us on this journey, it's going to involve three things. Number one, it's going to involve reading. Uh, there is a, a reading chart, reading through scripture each day for those 49 days. If you didn't get one, we can still get you one of those. It's going to involve study. If you're involved in a family group, we want you to study some of these questions, talk about some of these questions as a group. And then it's going to involve application. 
Last week was simply start the reading plan. We had somewhere about 49 or 50 people sign up for the challenge. If you still want to sign up, today's kind of the last day we're going to push this. But if you want to sign up, just use your connection card, right? 49-day challenge. We'll make sure we get the information out to you. Uh, we have a Facebook group set up. It's really cool to see how people are starting to engage with this challenge. Because as we instill these disciplines in our life, we start to see that there's a goal out there. We often mess this idea up because we think that the disciplines themselves are the goal. We think that, okay, if, if I start reading the Bible, if I start praying, if I start giving, if I start serving, if I, if I do these things, then that's going to automatically make me spiritually mature. And then we meet people in churches that are doing those things. They're not mature at all. They're, they're cranky and they're, they're just people you don't want to like at all. Like they're just, there's nothing spiritual about them. The disciplines themselves do not make us spiritual. But the disciplines point us towards the ability to make us more spiritual. I want us to get that. Last week we talked about Paul was writing this letter. The Apostle Paul was writing this letter to the church at Corinth. And he uses athletic competition as an analogy. And he says, if, if, if you want to get more spiritual, you have to, if, if you want to train yourself physically, you have to start working out, you have to run, you have to box, you have to get yourself trained physically for the challenge. Now, if an athlete trains as hard as he can during the week, and, and maybe in the pregame routine, he's doing calisthenics and he's training he doesn't go, say we take on a football player, and football player works really hard all week, and he's running sprints, and he's running extra drills. If he goes into the game, he can't go to the referee as the game begins. Says, Listen, I did like 40 extra sprints this week. Can we get five points for all those sprints? It, it doesn't work that way. You don't get extra points for the discipline, but the discipline prepares you for the challenge. If the athlete said, okay, there's no extra points for all the discipline I'm going to do, so I'm just going to slack off this week. I'm not going to have a healthy diet. I'm not going to work out. I'm just going to go and play the game. It's also not healthy. What we have to see as believers is that the disciplines point us towards the challenges out there. The disciplines prepare us for what we need to do in, ter- in terms of loving God more deeply and loving people more richly. And so today we're going to talk about this, this idea of, of Bible intake and Bible study. And it's much more than, than Bible study. It's actually a lot deeper than that. But we're talking about this idea, and, and, and I think it's one of the most fundamental disciplines that we think of. Maybe at the beginning of the year, we start to set some spiritual goals for ourselves. And we say, I just want to succeed in this specific area. For a lot of us, it, the first thing we jump to is, okay, I want to read through the Bible. Maybe I want to read through the whole Bible. Maybe I just want to make it a habit in my life, but I want to read the Bible. Because it's the most fundamental thing I think we think of, it's either Bible reading or, or prayer are the two top things people think of. Because it's the one we most often think of, it's also the one we so easily abandon. We start off the year, and we kind of get excited about it, and we start reading. Maybe we don't really have a plan. We start reading from the book of Genesis, figure we're just going to start from the beginning and read all the way through. And some, somewhere about the point we get to Leviticus, it starts to, I don't understand this anymore. I'm giving up. I, this, this is too much for me. It's a discipline to be cultivated. It doesn't happen overnight, but we have to realize the discipline is pointing us towards what we're striving for. And so we're going to look at this topic today of, of Bible reading, but I hope, or Bible study, but I hope we do this from a different perspective. If we do it from the lens of, I want to appreciate God more, and I believe the Bible is the number one way God's going to communicate with me, then I want to read the Bible not out of routine, but I want to read the Bible today because I genuinely believe that God can communicate with me right where I'm at right now. And this can be true of any one of us today. Before we get there, though, when I was in college, uh, I was actually a student at University of Florida, go Gators, uh, and, and uh, my wife, I just met, we, we weren't married then, she was my girlfriend at the time, but I just met my wife a year earlier, and, and we started dating, and she was down in Clearwater, I was going to University of Florida, and this was before the era of cell phones. 
It wasn't as easy. Now students can talk to each other very easily. Back then, if anybody had a cell phone, it was like one of those Zach Morris, one of those huge phones from Saved by the Bell that you held up and had the antenna, that, and, and it didn't fit in your pocket very easily. So, so the average person didn't have cell phones. We couldn't just, just talk on the phone. Uh, there's expense involved. It's a long-distance phone call. And, and as a college student, let's be honest, you don't have a lot of money anyway, so you can't make those long-distance phone calls. And so literally every day for that year, we were apart for a year, and almost every day we were apart my wife hand-wrote a letter and mailed it to me. Now, for those that are under 25 years old, they used to have this thing called paper that you actually hand-wrote it on, and, and you would fold it up and put it in an envelope, and they didn't have it where you ripped off the thing. You actually had to lick it and seal it and, and stick it down and put this little square thing. It's called a stamp on it and put it in. They used to have mailboxes all over the city now. It's like just at the post office. You put it in the mailbox, and the next day or two days later, it magically appear in a mailbox at my, at my apartment. It was crazy how that worked, and we, we kind of lost that art of writing letters, and I think it's still appreciated. That's why it's so important. We want to write a hand letter. We could have stamped everything for all the teachers. We wanted a hand note from everyone here at Ridgepoint Church, letting Auburndale High School know. Sometimes a handwritten note means so much. And so my wife would handwrite these notes, telling me about what was going on in her life, telling me about her feelings, how much she missed me, all, all those things. And she would handwrite these notes and, and I, w- I lived a couple of miles from campus, and I rode my bike to and from our, our townhome. And it was, it was a, a kind of, there are a lot of hills. It's not like here where it's pretty flat. But there are a lot of hills, and so it was work to get home. I knew a shortcut, but it went through kind of this dirt path, and that was kind of a different challenge altogether. So when I got back to my apartment, I was tired. Like, all I want to do is, like, sit down and crash. But I knew that almost every day, I went over, and we had a bank of mailboxes. And I went over to that bank of mailbox, and I put my key in, and I opened up my mailbox, and I pulled out a letter. Or, or a card, and I'd ride back as quickly as I could the rest of the way to the town home, and I'd open that up, and I'd read it, because I knew that she was sharing her heart to me about how she felt, about what was going on in her life, but how much she missed me. I, I knew that that was being shared, and I wanted to read it. As we approach the Bible, if we approach it differently, if it's not the routine of saying, okay, I, I get it, I know when we start talking about discipline, the first thing we're going to talk about is, is reading the Bible. And that's true, but it's, it's not just because we think it's a good thing. It's because this is the number one way God's going to communicate with us. And so it's going to change our perspective. Scripture intake, more than any other discipline, reveals the character and the will of God in our life. Scripture intake, more than any other discipline, reveals the character and the will of God in our life. There was a recent study done. It was actually, I just read the article recently, but it was actually done about a year ago. There's a guy who makes it his, his job is to look at churches and see what's trending, what's healthy in churches. And he came out with a list last year of the, num- of the top 12 things that, that are the, the trends that are happening in healthy churches. And we don't have time to go through the whole list of 12 things, but I want to look at the top two. He said these are the two most important elements for a church to be healthy in a modern culture. Number one, it's going to appear up on the screen. Number one is this, churches have a high view of Scripture. This speaks to how the church as a whole functions. This, this, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in depth in a second. But this speaks to how we as a church, as an organization, view Scripture. We have to have, as a church to be healthy, we have to have a high view of Scripture. That's on all of us, kind of on the organization together. But the, but the next one, number two, is going to be specifically relatable to each one of us individually. If you're a part of Ridgepoint Church, this is for you. Number two is this. A large number of church members read the Bible daily. It's cool, you know, it's all, we, we want to be a part of a church that says, I believe the word of God, I believe all that, but when it becomes personal and says, wait a minute, I have to do something about this, 
it seems much more intrusive. It seems much more challenging, but we have to realize that we are the church. And for the church to be healthy, it takes each one of us saying, I want to grow spiritually, and if I'm going to grow spiritually, it requires me to be intaking God's word on a regular basis. See, we believe, and going back to number one, churches that have a high view of Scripture, and this is going to seem crazy because we know we, we set up a church, we want to be a church for unchurched people, and a church unchurched people love to attend. And so we know that as we do that, there are some people come in to, to Ridge Point on a weekly basis that say, I don't necessarily believe what you have to say about the Bible and God and Jesus and all of that. And, and, and we get that. And, and we're glad that you're here. And it, we, we know that even if, if you look at this and you're wrestling with that, the disciplines can help release some of that tension. And the disciplines, even for someone today who says they don't follow Christ, the disciplines can be healthy and help you get to a spot where you understand this a little bit better. But here's what we believe as a church. If we're going to have a high view of Scripture. This is so important. We believe that absolutely the Bible is the Word of God. Now, some people look at that and say, that is crazy. You mean you actually believe that this book is, is God's Word? Like, that seems, that seems a little bit outlandish. And I get what they're saying, and we could talk about things. We could try to prove the, the Bible scientifically. We could try to, sorry about that. We could try to prove the Bible uh, historically. We could, we could do a lot of those things. But here's, what, here's the one thing I want to settle on, and that's a different discussion. If you want to ask those questions, we can have those questions. I believe, as I've studied this out, the Bible is the Word of God. I believe it can be proven scientifically. I can be, believe it can be proven historically. But here's what I want to settle at today. If I believe there is a God, and I do, and I believe that that God is a God of love, and He is, and I, if I believe that that God has a specific plan for my life, and He does, then it only seems to make sense to me that if, that if there's a God and he loves me and that he has a specific plan for me, that he's going to reveal that plan to me. Some people, outsiders looking in, say that's outlandish to think that the Bible is actually the word of God. And I say it's outlandish if we believe that there's a God. It's outlandish to think that that God would leave us on this journey called life without some sort of objective truth by which we govern our life. And so that's why we look at this idea, this discipline as, as more important, not, not necessarily more important, but more, more foundational for everything we do, that Scripture intake more than any other discipline reveals the character and the will of God in our life. If you don't have a Bible, as we talk about this idea of Bibles, back in the back we have some Bibles. They are totally free. You can have those. We also have some of the books I mentioned last week. Again, if you just want to grow in, in the area of spiritual disciplines, those books are available as well. I think they're $15. But the Bible's back there. We want to make sure everyone here has access to those. Uh, So they're back there if if you'd like them, if you don't have a copy of the Bible for yourself. We believe it's important for all of us to get into it. So we're going to get into this, Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. Uh, And and actually, it's it's kind of cool because if you've been following that Bible reading plan we put together, a lot of people, we'd start talking about Ezra, and and first of all, everyone's like, okay, where's Ezra? It's kind of back towards the the beginning of of the Bible and and kind of what's the context, where does it fit in? Uh, Ezra is actually a contemporary of Nehemiah. Yesterday in the Bible reading plan, that we established, that we read from Nehemiah, but actually Ezra is mentioned in that Bible reading plan. Uh, it seems like the last couple of years, Nehemiah has become kind of a cool figure in the church. A lot of churches, a lot of pastors are talking about Nehemiah and this great job he did. And what happened, if you don't know the story, is Jerusalem was, was in ruins. The people had fallen away from God. And so Nehemiah is part of the reconstruction of the walls of, of Jerusalem. And he says, I've begun a good work. I'm not going to stop. And, and he gets after, he gets the work done. And there's a lot of excitement about the rebuilding of the walls, the physical refortification of, of Jerusalem. But at the same time Nehemiah is doing that, Ezra book right before Nehemiah. Ezra was a prophet, and he was a, he was a scribe. He was one who really took seriously 
approaching God's word and teaching God's word and copying down God's word. And he did all of those things. She'd read God's word on a regular basis. And so Ezra is called by God to come. And as Nehemiah is rebuilding Jerusalem physically, Ezra's called to come and help rebuild Jerusalem spiritually. See, Israel was, Israel was a mess. Jerusalem was a mess. They'd fallen away from God. They're, God's people had done, done some outlandish things, and they just kind of lost control. They're making some big mistakes. I think it sounds very similar to some situations we're going through ourselves. God's people want to do the right thing, and yet we get apart from his will. We get apart from what he's trying to accomplish in our life, and we start to screw things up ourselves. And so Ezra comes into this situation, and he speaks truth. He's a priest, he's a scribe, and he is skilled in God's law. And we're just going to look at one verse. I think this one verse is going to speak volumes to where we're at. It says this, Ezra 7, verse 10. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord, and to do it, and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. One more time. For Ezra had set his heart. He had disciplined himself. He said, this is important for all of us, as we start to set a disciplines in our life, maybe it's a, a physical challenge that we have out in front of us, and we say, we want to accomplish this challenge. And, and maybe beginning of the year, we set goals. We said, I want to lose so much weight, or I want to do this, or, I want to do that. It, it's great to have an idea in mind, but the discipline comes when we realize there's, there's a direction out there that I'm striving for, and now I'm going to commit to my, in my heart that no matter what, I'm going to try to accomplish this. Ezra says he set it in his heart to study God's word. He set it in his heart to study God's law. And as he did that, he not only wanted to study, he wanted to do it, and he wanted to teach the statutes and rules in Israel. There's, there's a couple things. There's a progression we see here as we look at this verse. First of all, Ezra, back before this even begins, Ezra had a regular, consistent intake of Scripture into his life. This is the most fundamental thing. We say it. The reason why we're doing this series is because most people I come in contact with, if you ask them, hey, do you want to grow spiritually? Most people, not everyone, but most people say, yeah, I want to grow spiritually. Of course I do. Okay, then how are you training yourself to grow spiritually? We don't just wake up one day and say, okay, I'm going to try harder today. It's training ourselves for the challenge that's ahead. Ezra said his heart on this thing and said, I'm having this regular intake of, of Scripture in my life. If we want to grow collectively and if we want to grow individually, it is essential for each one of us. We can't grow without this discipline. Some of the others, you might be able to make an argument, well, that one's not as big a deal. This one right here is foundational. If we don't have a regular intake of Scripture in our life, it's, it's making it really, really difficult. It's like me waking up last year and saying, okay, I want to go and I want to get in shape and I want to lose weight, but I'm not going to work out, I'm not going to exercise, I'm not going to eat healthy. You can say you want to grow all you want, but until you start to instill discipline in your life doing these things, it's not going to happen. Now, most people want to, and we start to talk about this idea of, okay, if you want to grow, let's start, let's start reading the Bible together. And everyone kind of starts off strong, and maybe life starts to happen. And, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but just let's be honest. Most of us are busy right now. We have busy lives, and maybe you have kids in a home still. And, and if your life is, if your home is like our home, it's like high schoolers start school now. The first bell rings before 7 a.m. Is that like the craziest thing ever? And so kids are out of the house at 620, and, and so you got kids going, I got one in high school, one in middle school, one in college, and, and all that stuff's going on. And then you got to get off to work, and you have some extra work that you have to do, and you, you stay late some nights. And, and then when you get home, it's you have to prepare dinner, and you got to do dishes, and you have laundry, and you have all of this stuff. Then you start to add into that extracurricular activities. Our son started playing soccer this year. And, and it's like all this stuff is happening, and we say, J.J., I want to grow. I want to read the Bible, but I just... I'm running out of time. 
Like this is a big commitment, and, and it is. But I'm here to say this. I don't think time's our biggest issue. See, we all have busy schedules. At least most of us would say we have busy schedules. Time's not the issue. The issue is commitment. See, they make the Bible. You see, we used to say they make the Bible on, on tapes, then it was CDs, and now they actually have MP3s where people read the Bibles to us. And, and that's a side topic we could talk about. Hey, if, if you're too stretched for time, pop your MP3, put it on your iPod, listen to it in the car, but that's a separate comment. But the people that read the Bible verbally, out loud, on those CDs and on the MP3s, average time it takes to read through the Bible out loud, verbally, is 72 hours. Now, that's a lot of time, but it is some study. The average American family right now spends 70 hours watching TV in just two weeks. 70 hours watching TV. That's like almost like a full-time job just watching TV. And I know that's not everybody, but for a lot of us, it's, it's not so much that we don't have time it's that we don't, there, there's busyness and it's easy. And I'm not saying there's anything, anything wrong with watching TV. We want a chance to unwind and get away. But I'm saying if we really searched for the time, if this was a priority, we could find the time to do this. The regular intake of Scripture is important. At some point, though, we say, okay, I, I'm reading through the Bible. And, and, and really what we gave you in those Bible reading plans was simple. Today's, uh, the Scripture we gave you today was just read through six verses. It's not a huge time commitment and you're just kind of skimming across the surface of those verses. As you start to have regular Bible intake, which can happen through reading the Bible, through listening to the Bible, through hearing messages, as we start to have that regular Bible intake on a, on a consistent basis, I think at some point it leaves us hungrier for something more. There's a step we take from going from Bible intake to Bible study. It's a little bit deeper. In fact, someone made this analogy, and, and they said this about Bible study. Bible intake, Bible reading, gives us breadth. Bible study gives us depth. Making this analogy, I think a lot of us will understand this. Uh, As we live in kind of the Arbordale, Winter Haven, Lakeland area, anywhere you go, there's lakes everywhere. Like when I first moved here, I started like driving around. Everybody's like, oh, you got to get on Avenue O. And then there's a lake. You go around the lake and get on Avenue O on the other side. And I got so lost and so confused about how that all worked out. And, and there's lakes everywhere, and especially on a beautiful day like today. Like, I couldn't believe when I walked out this morning, I'm like, it's May. It's like 66 degrees out, and, and it's going to be great throughout the day, and it's going to be beautiful. And especially on a day like today, you look out on most of those lakes, especially the bigger lakes, and everybody has a boat. And some people have the motorboats, and they're taking people skiing, and they're tubing, and they're all over the place. And those boats will just skim across the surface, and they'll be able to see the whole lake very quickly. That motorboat for us is an analogy for our Bible intake. When I read through the Bible, I can read through a lot of the Bible just skimming the surface. But when I'm on that boat, I'm skimming the lake. All I'm doing is skimming the surface, and I'm not seeing very much below the surface between the, the lake and the waves and all that. That's all I really see. We're going fast. We're kind of skimming the surface. But if I were to go on the same lake, get out a, a glass-bottom boat, and we were to go slowly across that lake, we wouldn't see very much of the lake because we're traveling a lot slower. But we're seeing under the surface, we're seeing the depth of the lake, depending how clear the lake is. But we're seeing the depth of the lake. That's our Bible study. Bible study doesn't happen as quickly. We don't see as much of the big picture when we do Bible study, but Bible study gives us a a better depth. A lot of people approach Scripture and they start reading and they're like, J.J., I don't get a lot out of this. And that's because we're not spending the time going back and understanding why the Bible is written and where the Bible is written and who the Bible is written to. 
Bible intake gives us breadth. Bible study gives us depth. When I was in college, our former pastor, myself, Tim and myself, we had a class together where we would take a class on, on how to communicate, effectively communicate the Bible. They called it homiletics because they used all these weird words no one understood. So we took this homiletics course together, and it was teaching, on us, teaching us how to communicate Scripture and how to study to communicate Scripture. And the first thing that professor taught us is when you start to study, the first thing you do is you do a couple of flybys of the text. Today I'm speaking on one verse. But to get there, I had to read through. And, and you want to read through maybe a chapter at a time. Or, or if it's a short book, maybe you read through, through the whole book. And you fly by four or five times, get a big picture of what the whole context is about. And then you dive deep into those verses that you're communicating. Bible intake is the whole thing. Bible study is the depth. For some of us, it's time we, we mature from and, and using resources. Using resources like books and commentaries listening to other people communicate a specific text, to dig in deeper to understand the full context of what's being taught to us. There's two goals that I have as a Bible communicator. One, it's really like we're building two bridges. One is to realize we're living here in 2013. But I need to build a bridge to go back to when the Bible was written. To understand the historical significance of what's happening. To understand with Ezra how he's trying to rebuild the spirituality of what's happening in Jerusalem. And so we build a bridge from today back into the biblical setting. But then also once we get there, and this is where a lot of us mess this thing up, is that we, we then have to build a bridge from understanding their historical context and why the, that book of the Bible is written back to today to say, okay, how is it relevant to where we are today? See, our setting's a lot different than this, but our need is the same. Bible study gives us that approach. The regular intake of Scripture is fundamental. Bible reading gives us breath. Bible study gives us depth. We've got to keep on moving on here. We're going to run out of time on this. But uh, Bible study requires those, those bridges to happen. The third thing, and, and we see this in Scripture, Ezra says, heart to say the law of the Lord, to do it and to teach the statutes. The third thing is application of Scripture. It's not just enough to read it and to study it, but actually to apply it. I love, we have this group set up, and people, one of the ideas we set up this Facebook group for is so we could engage each other and talk about it. And as you start to read it through, realizing that reading it through and applying it are two different things. Someone commented this week saying how, you know, I, I love it, I'm reading through, and yet during the day, some of the challenges I face, like, they've become so big that I miss this. And, and, and it's, it's a lot like exercising. We don't get it all. We start working out one day, and it doesn't all make sense one day. It, sometimes as we work out initially, it makes it harder and so as we intake Bibles and start to get serious about this, sometimes it will make it harder initially. Uh, but eventually, in the long term, we're cultivating in this idea that we want, as we take in the Bible, we start to apply the Bible. We want the Bible to change who we are. The last thing it says about Ezra is that he actually taught Scripture. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this. I know last week I made this statement that if, if, if you want to instill discipline in your life, uh, it doesn't take someone who's really, really spiritual. It takes someone who's committed. And we look at that and say, wait a minute. But if I'm going to teach scripture, don't I have to be some level of spirituality? And that's true. But here's what I'm convinced. If we instill discipline in our life, if we instill spiritual discipline into our life, eventually over the long haul, God's going to bring situations into our life where we're able to communicate scripture. Maybe it's in a formal teaching setting. Maybe it just is at work that as you start to grow in your faith and knowledge of who Jesus is, as you start to grow in understanding the disciplines in, in your life, Maybe it's as we talk about things at church, you have a friend or two that you start to say, hey, you know, we're talking about this at church, and, and here's what I'm learning, and I, and I just want to start to teach that to the people around us. I believe that for each one of us, it doesn't take someone who's super spiritual. It takes people who are committed. Last thing, each week we said there's going to be a challenge. 
uh, the application part. Part of the study of Scripture, I believe, is, is that we start to, I don't know, that just got really, my bad. I don't know if I hit something or whatever happened, but sorry about that. Uh, I, I believe that as we intake Scripture, as we start to, to really study the Bible, one of the best things we can do is, is memorize Scripture. And so our challenge this week is going to be based upon that. In Psalm 119, there's this, this great psalm that talks about how much David loves the law of God. Psalm 119, verse 97, he talks about, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all, all the day. Uh, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. But early on in Psalm 119, verse 11, it says, I have hid your word in my heart, that I might not sin against you. The idea is that as, as we approach Scripture and as we say, God, I really, really delight myself in your law, then it's really important for us to, to have Scripture that we know, that we've focused on, that we've memorized. Because a couple of things can happen. Jesus, when he's out in, in, in the desert before he begins his ministry, he's tempted specifically by Satan. He's tempted, and he answers Satan back each of those temptations. He answers them back with Scripture. When we're tempted in our life, the idea is we want to be able to answer that temptation with Scripture. Not just be able to give my opinion on how something works or to say, hey, I, I think you should do this. Uh, but when we're trying to answer our own temptation, having scripture we've memorized that we know gives us power. The second thing is, is people come to us asking our advice. It's great if we're able to offer good advice. It's great if we're able to say, hey, I think you should do this, and if it's a healthy spiritual idea that we're communicating. But it is so much more powerful if I can say, this isn't necessarily my opinion on this, but here's what I've been taught, here's what I know. I can't tell you, especially early on when I first was called to ministry and I didn't get a whole lot of this and I didn't have a lot of background and, and, and stuff to, to lean back on. So many times I'd go to, into a counseling session where a student would come up to me and ask me a specific question and I wasn't smart enough or strong enough to answer that question. But what it was needed, some verse that I memorized weeks, months, or years ago would pop to mind. And I say, I don't even know where this is coming from. I can't even tell you where the scripture is, what the reference is for this, but I know the Bible says this. When we're able to answer the people around us and, and counsel them based upon the truth of God's word, and the only way we're going to do that is through memorizing it, they give us an opportunity to answer with truth that we've memorized, that we've applied in our life. So the challenge this week is this. Over the next six weeks, we have six weeks left in this challenge. We're going to challenge anyone who's taken the challenge so far to memorize three verses in the next six weeks. That's just one every other week. Uh, if you want to do that, that's, that's awesome. We're going to have a list of verses on the Facebook page tomorrow. And if you've signed up via email, we'll send those out via email tomorrow. We're going to give you a list of 10 verses you can choose from, or you can choose your own verse. Uh, two things. You can't choose John 3.16 because everyone memorizes that. And you can't choose John 11.35. That's Jesus wept. That doesn't work. But outside of that, if you have some verses that you want to memorize that are like specifically uh, kind of pertinent to your situation, by all means do that. We'll give you a list of verses, some ideas. Memorize three of them over the next six weeks. And if you want to take that the next step, maybe if you have a smartphone, I checked this out this week, but there's an app called Bible Minded. It was put out by the American Bible Society. I have it as my second app now. And it's just as a great app to be used to memorize scripture. They have some, like the first time you put it in there, they have flashcards that flip it back and forth. You memorize scripture that way. You actually put the verse in you want to memorize. It gives it to you. And then once you have it memorized, it, it kind of reminds you to go back and look at those and have some games you play where you fill in certain words. It just is a clever way and a quick way in our society to say, I know things are busy. I want to utilize the, the resources I have to make me better equipped to be a, a strong believer. Again, these things aren't the be-all, end-all. 
These things are driving us towards what we desire, and that is to love God more deeply and love people more richly. If we do this, if we instill these disciplines, particularly as we start this off, the foundation of everything we do as a church, the healthiness of our church is derived on two things. Number one is that we have a high view of Scripture, and number two, that we as a people have banded together saying we want to have a regular intake of Scripture into our life. Let's pray.